Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who have a lot to learn about ADHD, and that includes me. My name is Danae Cannon, and I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the podcast. We're in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, I'm going to do a book report, and I'm doing this on Casey Davis's book, How to Keep House While Drowning. I really enjoy Casey's perspective and unique take on what we would call care tasks. And these are tasks or jobs that we need to do to keep going in life. We need to do these to take care of our bodies, hygiene, self-care, our homes, our living spaces. And they tend to be these non-stop activities, responsibilities that can often really overwhelm us and that people feel a lot of shame for not being able to maintain. And Casey's perspective is really refreshing. And I'm going to go into what are her pillars of her approach, her key ideas. The number one is that care tasks are morally neutral. And being old enough to still have heard the uh, term that cleanliness was next to godliness, I don't know if my kids have even heard that term, but I grew up uh, not having that used all the time, but definitely being familiar with it. And I think that self-care, home care, these care tasks can kind of take on this moral weight that people feel like a bad person if they're not able to keep on top of hygiene or their home care. They feel very less than. I had a client this last week that had dreaded going to the dentist and she had put it off. She had waited to do it. And it's the kind of thing that even if it is a great outcome, is really not that great of an outcome. You know, a great dentist visit just means that you go and make awkward conversations and you pay your money to have your cleaning and it's uncomfortable and it's not like a, a highly rewarding situation in the best outcomes but if you've been somebody who has put off appointments and you've it's been been a while since you've been to the dentist well then the likelihood of an even worse outcome increases and so this becomes a real issue and can be very shaming and so she was in that situation and it was just dreading going and as we were talking about that it was clear that the amount of shame she felt for not having maintain this oral hygiene the way she wanted to was a core shame of just not being good enough and being gross and not being okay. And and when you talk about that kind of thing out loud, it might sound heavy, but I think a lot of us carry that around with us, this shame for not being able to keep up with care, whether it's the care of our house, cleaning, organizing, sometimes the care of our bodies. You know, when you are really not in a great functional place, sometimes just self hygiene can be really hard. And that's the first pillar with this book is that care tasks are morally neutral. So not doing them does not make you less of a person. They're meant to serve you. You're not a bad person for not being able to keep up with them. It's a functional issue, not a moral issue. The second pillar is that rest is a right, not a reward. And this is really important when it comes to care tasks, especially home care tasks, because they're really never done. I, you know, I have four children and we have a very busy house and I can go and immaculately clean the kitchen. It's amazing. And I'm so proud of myself. And I take a second and I look at it. And that's the seconds all I get because my children are all old enough to grab their own food, not necessarily always old enough to clean up their own food, but we're, we're working on it. And 30 minutes later, there's already new messes. And so something like taking care of your home, cleaning and keeping up with clutter, it's just hamster wheel. It's always going. And so if you wait until everything's done before you sit down and rest and recharge, you may not get to rest. And so the second pillar is that rest is your right 
you need this. You need to recharge. You deserve to recharge. And uh, everything does not have to be completed or perfect before you can. The third pillar is that you deserve kindness regardless of your level of functioning. And Casey made the point that it's not really the job itself, the undone job, the poorly done job that's the problem when it comes to us really struggling with self-care tasks. It's what we think about ourselves, the unkind thoughts. And so kind of coming against those thoughts, noticing them, talking back to them and realizing that you deserve the kindness no matter what's going on with your self-care, no matter what's going on with your home care. If your house is trashed, if you haven't been to the dentist in three years, it doesn't make you less worthy of kindness. I know I mentioned Kristen Neff before, and I'm going to do it again because I think she is a great resource for us as we're learning to challenge these negative thoughts. And she does work on self-compassion. And in her research, she found that people's biggest objection with self-compassion was they were afraid that they would not get anything done, that they would get lazy and, and not be motivated. And her research showed the opposite. Her research showed that it did increase people's motivation to practice self-compassion. The beginning of that is noticing these thoughts, challenging these thoughts that label us as less than based on where we're functioning that day. The third pillar of struggle care is you can't save the rainforest if you're depressed. I love this one. I've done an episode that talked about saving your mental energy. And in that episode, I talked about satisficing versus maximizing. And that oftentimes we're just trying to make the perfect decision. It's the most economical. It's the best quality. It's yada, yada, this and that. And so and the same idea can apply to self-care, right? Like, you know, maybe it's important to us that we are recycling and it's important to us that we're saving money and there's lots of things that are maybe priorities for us, but if, if we're really struggling just to get things done, maybe finding convenience, whether it's you're going to have to let the recycling slide just to be able to keep your head above water, or you're going to have to buy the more expensive product to be able to create some ease in order for you to complete a task. It's okay to do what you need to do to get by when you are really struggling. I love this perspective. It's just not always going to be perfect. And that perfectionism paralyzes us. It makes it so much more overwhelming to get started. So the fourth pillar of struggle care is shame is the enemy of functioning. I could not agree with this more. Shame is the anti-motivator. It's just not going to be a sustainable way to keep us going in anything. Shame shuts us down. It shrinks us. It does not help us grow and change and take care of ourselves or others. Shame is astoundingly destructive in our lives. It is the enemy of functioning. It does not help us operate where we want to operate. So noticing when there's that shame voice talking and choosing something else. The last pillar of struggle care is good enough is perfect. Just starting is solid. This idea that things should look a certain way is very difficult for us and really works against our being able to function daily. Let go of other people's standards. I was working with a client this last week and we were talking about just this, about kind of her standards for the house and taking care of the house. And we realized as we were talking that she had these standards that she was carrying along with her that were not her own. They were her mom's standards. They were the way she grew up. You know, there's nothing wrong with those standards if they work for her mom. But for her, she had other priorities. You know, spending a lot of time with her children was a high priority. Her work was a high priority. It's just a math problem. 
There's not enough hours in the day for everything to be a priority. And so let go of these ideas that aren't yours. Now, in the same conversation, we also talked about the fact that she did like a certain level of order because it served her because she was able to function, think, enjoy time with her family more because she was able to find things without being frustrated. That's a really different standard than this just should look this way. This is what I need to be doing or should be doing because this is the expectation versus this is what I do to serve me. This is what I do to make my life easier. This is what I do for a reason that I believe in. These are the pillars of struggle care. And another really helpful part of of her book is this five category cleaning, this approach that she has. And I love this approach. This kind of takes out the overwhelm from a really overwhelming space. Now, let's say you walk into a room. I'm going to pick one of my daughter's rooms because this is often the case with this room. You walk in the room and it's beyond trashed. It's just looks like a cyclone went through it. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed and pause and just paralyzed when you walk into a space like this. Sometimes I'll just set a timer and say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the space for five or 10 minutes. I let myself be done. If I don't want to go any further after that five or 10 minutes, just starting oftentimes is such a huge piece of battling overwhelm. But Casey has an approach, this five category cleaning that's also really helpful. She said, when you're cleaning up a space, there's only five categories that the things you're cleaning are going to fall under. Number one is trash. Pretty much take that, throw it in the trash. Number two is dishes. So any kind of dishes are going to go back into the sink. You're going to bring it to the sink. You're not even going to put it in the dishwasher yet. You're doing one category at a time and this, you're just getting this room clear. So you're going to go, you're going to put the dishes in the sink. Third category is clothing. So that's either going to be put away or go into a dirty laundry bin. Then the last two categories are things with a home. And so those go back to their home. And here's the tricky one. The last category is this one jams a lot of people up with executive functioning struggles, things without a home. So if you're approaching a room with that last category, a lot of times I would just save that category for last because that's going to take a lot of bandwidth to either create homes and make decisions. And so you can make tons of progress in this room just by doing one through four and saving that number five for the last part or even a different day if you don't have the mental bandwidth that day to deal with making decisions and planning for those items. You know, another idea from her book was when you're overwhelmed and a lot of things are sliding, which is true for any of us when we hit overwhelm. And let's be honest, people with ADHD are going to hit this more frequently than our neurotypical peers. It's just the way it is. And when you are overwhelmed and you're juggling all of these balls, make sure that you know what your plastic balls are versus your glass balls. Your plastic balls can drop without dire consequences. The floor cannot be vacuumed today. My laundry cannot be folded today. The glass balls are the things that are your highest priority. Those are different for everyone. You know, the glass ones are ones where the fallout is going to be big and it's not going to be fixed in a cleaning spree. And so when you have to make choices about where to spend your energy, reminding yourself of what things you can let go, what are the things that can actually drop and can be picked back up when you are functionally in a place that you can deal with them versus the glass balls, things that you really don't want to let drop, things that are your highest priority. So that's the end of my book review of how to keep house while drowning. I just want to encourage you that if if you have perfectionistic standards, if you tend to be self-critical, don't be discouraged. It, a lot of us are, a lot of us deal with this. The change can be kind of slow, but one great way to speed that up is to surround yourself with voices that are not perfectionistic, (laughs) that are not critical. Surround yourself with voices of people who are anti-shame, build up positive emotion, who build up your trust in yourself. Find those voices, whether they're friends, whether they're family, authors, Instagram accounts, it doesn't matter where you're finding them, but find those kind of people to pour into your life and get a steady diet of those kind of messages. And they do end up making a big difference in the way you relate to yourself. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are enjoying this, please subscribe, like, pass it along, leave me a review. These are all things that allow me to keep making the podcast and get it out to more people. So that's all for today and I'll see you next week.